Welcome to the Life Cycle Lady Podcast, the place to be to talk about all that we wonder, whisper, and wish we knew about our bodies, hormones, and life cycle changes. In this space, I offer vulnerability, wisdom, connection, and helpful transformational mind-body-spirit tools. Please join me as I take the stigma out, stop the whisper, and speak out loud about the life cycle phases from puberty to menopause. Welcome, everyone, to episode 15 of the Life Cycle Lady Podcast. My name is Julie. And in this episode, I'm actually going to be talking to you about media use for tweens and teens and what the impact of that is on them socially, emotionally, and hormonally. I'm not going to talk a ton about social media. I'm going to, that is such a big topic in itself. I'm just going to really generalize the term media today. And yes, in a future episode, um, I'm going to be talking about social media. I wanted to do a lot more research on the social media. Um, And I feel like it's such a big topic. I'm just going to make sure that that gets its own space. So when I refer to media today, I'm really just referring to the general, you know, media of video games and iPads and phones and blah, 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 that kind of media. So the reason why I'm actually, I had something else planned, a much more hormonal conversation today, but I decided to do this mostly because there's been a major shift around this in my own house um, that I want to share and I will get to at some uh, later in this podcast, but mostly because um, this is probably the number one question or the number one conversation um, when I teach puberty classes at some point. The girls go into one room and do an art project, and the moms go into another room and have a conversation. And I'd say nine times out of ten, the conversation revolves around a few things, and one of them is media use for their kids at this age. Um, I think that this comes from this uh, conversation around it is because this is also new to us. I have a feeling most of you are out there probably around the same age that I am. We grew up without media um, or much media. I did not have a computer, let alone a laptop or a phone. Like it was really cool if you got your own phone, (laughs) like phone line, which I never got. Or if you had two phone lines, right? If you had call waiting, that was kind of a cool thing when I was younger. Um, I went to the computer lab when I was in college. There was no computer or laptop, right? Um, So I think for a lot of us, this is a relatively new thing. And in my life, um, we, I have kids all the way from 15 to 4. So I have these kids, my older two, who grew up really without much media. We had a boob tube TV and a VCR. We never had any cable and they would watch occasional DVDs. Um, I never had a cell phone until I think my daughter was born, or at least a smartphone. Um, there was basically just very little media, whereas my little boys are surrounded by media all the time. We all have phones now, and there's uh, two laptops in the house, and you know, on and on and on. So um, I think a lot of us are, the conversation is, is there because we don't know what to do. And a lot of the conversation I hear is, I don't want to set too many boundaries because they'll just go other places to engage with media. I don't want to isolate my kid. I don't want to X, Y, or Z. 
Um, I'm going to get my kid a phone because I want to be able to contact them when they're going out. Which I have to say, my 15-year-old still does not have a phone. And I have said that I recently want to get him a phone. And my husband's like, no, no. And I was like, well, he's going out till 11 o'clock at night. I want to be able to, you know, check in with him, call him. He's like, did you have a phone? No. Did your mom contact you? No. Did you come home on time? Yeah. Is everything okay? Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Um, so I'll talk more about my specific family in a minute. But I wanted to start by talking about how um, it's affecting kids socially. So it is, you know, there's a lot of studies out there now, even though this is a relatively new thing to humanity, um, you know, a decade or less that we have all this stuff and it just grows and grows by the second. Um, so socially, how it's affecting these kids is it's greatly affecting them. Um, it's infecting their interactions with each other. They interact with each other. And I'm not labeling this as good or bad. Um, I'm just sharing with you what we know so far. We know that, that kids are um, interacting socially in a very different way, meaning that the vast majority of the time they're interacting over media and less in person. And I'm going to get some examples from my own life. Um, we have a home phone. No, they don't have cell phones. So when someone calls, they don't know what to say. Because that's a, that's a skill that people don't know. They don't know to say hi is, and then my son's name. They're just like, uh, uh, and then they'll say his name, right? They don't know how some social skills, which maybe we don't need to know those because who has a home phone? But they also don't know how to interact so well with each other. Like the art of communication has now turned in an art of emoji cons, Right? And yes, they're fun, and I, my, my husband and I text emojicons sometimes too, but we can also have a conversation. And so what I find, and what the research has shown is socially, like the art of communication is really going in the crapper. Like they don't know how to communicate with each other anymore. And imagine if you were a teen, right? When you were a teen, man, it was hard enough to communicate as it was being a teen. Remember? Like that awkwardness and that just like that social, uh. Now imagine that like they're not even having to be put in those situations to practice them because when they feel uncomfortable, all they have to do is whip out their phone and look at it and disconnect from what's going on. And most of the time, if you look, like we went to um, Elitch's, which is an amusement park this summer. It's just my husband, myself, and our 15-year-old, which was very embarrassing to him. It was supposed to be his sister came too, but whatever, she got sick. And so it was just three of us. And he definitely felt really embarrassed, and then he got over it. But what we noticed was all of the kids his age which we are very aware of because he was very aware that he was with his parents and they were with each other. They were all on their devices standing in line. No one was like roughhousing or jabbing or making jokes. Like no one in any of the lines for like eight hours. We just saw it over and over and over again. And some of them were even texting each other or if they were talking to each other, they were showing them what another friend had said. And so I'm not saying that there's not a time or place for that, right? That there's not, like, I'm not trying to, again, labelize all of this as good or bad. I'm just showing you out there what it is. And then I'm going to call 
have a call of action at the end here. So socially, they're struggling. They're really, really, really struggling. They're already feeling awkward enough, and there's no bridging of that awkwardness. There's no like wins that are happening. There's just a whole lot of disconnection and going into the social nature of the game has changed. In fact, it's changed so much. This is the first generation that actually is going to have sex that has sex later, much later, than the generations previously. Because, and I would say that that's because they don't have much social connection. I'll tell you another story. This was a different time at Elitch's. I wasn't with my son. I was with my daughter. And him and his friends were off. And he was like, hey, mom, I met this super cute girl. And I was afterwards, I was like, oh, that's great. And he said, and then she asked me if I had Snapchat or what my Snapchat was. And I said I didn't have it. And she goes, oh, okay, bye. And I was like... Did you ask her to go on a ride with you? Like, so it's like if the kids don't have these social media or media, then they feel very, well, they can feel isolated. He felt a little, he also felt annoyed. But so that's one of the reasons why parents give in, right? Why we're just like, okay, well, everybody has it. And so I have to have it too because I have to be social. This is my way of being social. And so... Um, I, one of my call to actions is how can you create that social vibe in your own house for your child and their friends without having it be around media, right? So one way, obviously, and I saw this from Brene Brown, is they all put their things in a basket when they come in and then make sure you feed them like junk food or something so they want to stay, but like, and then they have to interact with each other. Um, we just had a, my son's really good friend from childhood over recently who they now go to different high schools. They don't see each other much. They weren't on media. They had fun. They giggled. They were silly. They sounded like little girls in their like, you know, changing voices that are really high one minute and really low next. It can be done. It doesn't have to make uh, the boundaries, as, and I'll get to this, but the boundaries don't have to be a lack of freedom. So socially, that's how it's affecting them. How is it affecting them emotionally? This is also the group of kids, this age group, with the highest anxiety and stress levels that we've ever seen. There's books upon books upon books written about it, and there's study and research about it. If you have not read books by Lisa Damore, D-A-M-O-U-R, she's a PhD psychologist who studies kids in... Um, puberty ages. She has a book called Untangled, which is great. It's all about girls, but she also has her next book, um, and I can't remember the name because I don't have it in front of me, is all about kids and anxiety and why we're seeing all of this intense anxiety for kids. Um, and one of the reasons is this media, the influx and the constant being on media. I mean, they're even on it at school, right? They're on their computers. At least my kids, my kid in high school, like he takes his computer to every class. That's what he learns on. That's what he's seeing on the board. It's all computer, 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 computer based, which is all media, 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 right? It's always like this constant influx and there's very little like downtime. So it's one of the reasons emotionally why we're struggling so much with anxiety and stress. There's other reasons for sure, but it's really, really impacting them emotionally. It's, and, and obviously, if we throw social media in 
on top of just the main media conversation, that's impacting them emotionally greatly. And there is so much research out about how it is causing just massive amounts of identity issues, right? I think, well, we know that in when you go through puberty, you're having a major identity issue. Like that's what happens during puberty, one of the many things. Your bodies are changing, your hormones are changing, you're getting, you know, people are noticing you in new ways, you're having maybe acne on your face or some zits on your face, and you're just becoming a new person in a new body, and your gaze is really turning out from the inner family, and it's becoming much more about your friends. And like the social unit is literally biologically and neurologically the number one form of safety and belonging, and we all want to belong, right? That is like if you look at Maslow's hierarchy or whatever, and I'm, is that, is that what it's actually called? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Sorry, brain fart. Woman going through perimenopause here. Um, belonging actually, I don't believe it's on there, but it, it is a, a need. It is a basic human need to belong. And so emotionally, these kids are needing to belong. They're needing their peer groups. And they're finding that they're on these social media outlets and what their appearance of this is versus the reality of it is, is really distorted, right? You can even distort your face on these kind of things and make yourself look like one thing or another. And so it's really causing a lot of damage, a lot of um, self-esteem issues for like across the board, not even just the kids that are X, Y, and Z that you think you're supposed to be, but those kids are also having major self-esteem issues. So emotionally, it's really, really harming them. So how is it affecting them hormonally? Hormonally, when we are in, and if you've listened to my podcast at all, you will know this, but if you're in a state of like stress, flight, or fight mode, there is a hormone cascade that is going on inside of your body that your body, even though it may be imagined, like you're looking at something, imagining something about that person, it is a real biological hormonal thing happening inside of your body. And what that does is actually interfere with the sex hormones that are going on, particularly for the menstrual cycle. They are messing with that and then you're throwing off the menstrual cycle and you're throwing off the natural hormonal cycle in a young girl, which is already kind of a little bit wonky at the very beginning anyways. So hormonally, it's really, really impacting them when you're in that constant fight or flight mode, when you're constantly on high drive, when you're constantly in a form of stress, because most of these kids don't know how to stop the stress. We haven't given them the coping mechanisms of saying, okay, I don't need to be stressed now. I'm going to let go of the stress. You have to actually stop that stress response mostly through breathing, right? That's one of the best ways that I teach the kids that do this puberty class with me is like, okay, stress is part of life, but you need to be able to stop. You need to tell your body there is no threat, there is no stress now, and let it release. Because even after the stress response has occurred, our bodies will continue on in that pattern if we do not stop it, right? So hormonally, just this amped up mode of always being on something, always looking at something, is causing them to hormonally shift. It's causing them to hormonally and neurologically just be in a stage of stress 
mode, which affects digestion, which affects the sex hormones, which affects growth and development. So it's really, really hormonally important for them to be able to take those pauses. And so that's going to lead me to what are we going to do about it? What are your actionable steps? Because what I hear, again, is, but all my kids' friends are on it, and I want her to be included, which I, I super get that. Um, like I just talked about, there's that needing of belonging. You don't want to make these boundaries so big for your kiddos that then they will rebel against them, right? That's kind of one of the main things. Or that, you know, like I had a friend growing up whose parents never let her watch TV and then she's like binged on TV later on in life, right? You don't want those kind of things to happen. So I'm going to just tell you a little bit about what's happening in my house at the moment. And then you hopefully it will spark some ideas, right? Maybe this is not the way you want to go but maybe it's going to spark ideas or give you courage maybe to kind of do something different. Um, so we actually have pretty good, I thought we had good boundaries around media. Um, my little kids, they only get to watch a show once a weekend. So that's like 20 minutes each once a weekend. They're little, they could care less. They're always playing. They really don't care. Sometimes we get to watch a movie. My older kids, uh, 12 and 15, they, my son has an Xbox and an iPod, and during the week, there's boundaries around it. On the weekend, I really just have been letting them go at it, right? We, they just d didn't have a whole lot of boundaries around it. Figured it's the weekend. Um, my daughter has like a thing, not an iPad, but like a Google thing, Google pad thing. She only gets to listen, she can't, doesn't have any access to internet but she can listen to books and play some app games on there, whatever. She also doesn't have restrictions on the weekend. So we, my husband in particular, was feeling that these boundaries were not working and wanted to create something new um, because what he found was they seemed very stressed and snappy on the weekends and that there wasn't a whole lot of connection points. Um, we each connect with them during the week. We do a date with the older kids after the littles are on bed once a week. But there wasn't a whole lot of, like, togetherness. And so he decided, for that and many other reasons, just because it's not good for you to be on media all the time. And we found that we don't actually know that they were on it all the time because they're in their rooms most of the time. Because that's very normal. But the suspicion, the suspicion is that they're on it most of the time. And then they get really snappy. And my son can get really... Um, angry, really, really angry. And I knew this from a very young age. Like when he was little, we didn't let him watch TV until he was two. And then when he would, if he would watch too much, like more than a show or two, he'd get really like, not rambunctious in a normal two-year-old way, but just like angry rambunctious. Like it was too much processing for him. Um, and so anyways, our current, that was what we were doing. My husband created a media plan and we had a conversation around that this was boundaries around media and not boundaries around our kids was how we framed it eventually we got there um and that way because my kids do see that they have certain freedoms and they to them that is one of their freedoms so we tried to make sure that we tell them that we weren't taking away their freedom 
we were just taking putting boundaries around the media that they still had as much freedom as they wanted they just had to get out of the box like the literal box right and so the idea is that we turn we unplug the internet for two four-hour chunks a day on saturday and sunday one in the morning and then one from six to ten at night which i have to say for me as a lady who likes to watch a show on a Saturday night, I might have thrown a temper tantrum. My kids also might have thrown a temper tantrum at the introduction of this um, media plan, media rethink, and it's been about five weeks now. We all kind of had a fit, fit about it. And um, fast forward five weeks. What we have found five weeks later is after that initial hissy fit from me and my kids, um, we have connected in ways that we have not connected in in a really long time. So when you're not when you're not allowed or it's not available to you to use this, you find other ways of being, right? So my husband and I once went on a coffee date and we bought a brand new game, board game, and we played it and had a ton of fun. We've played other games with our kids, board games. We have... Uh, they're just around, right? They're upstairs or around. My husband's been giving them massages. He's a massage therapist and some craniosacral, which if you don't know about craniosacral, it kind of mm, it helps your nervous system. I'm just going to put it that simply. Um, we have just talked. The conversations that have happened, where my kids are pretty good at telling us what's going on, but the conversations that have happened in this new space have deepened for sure about things that they're struggling with um, or things that they're even excited about. It has just given them like a peace is what I want to say in a, a very different way than they had been feeling it before. And since then, we haven't had a single gruff or huff about it. There's been no temper tantrums. There's been no ah uh, or anger or this isn't fair or any of that. In fact, my daughter actually comes upstairs to turn it off herself. She's very aware of the time and comes and turns it off. And um, there is, we did frame it that there could be negotiations, like if there was a football game on that my son wanted to watch, right? But he hasn't even, that hasn't even come up. There's just been a lot more open space. I went down into his room, and shh, don't tell anyone I told you, but he there was a coloring book, like an adult, you know, adult coloring book. He's been coloring. He started knitting again last weekend. We were on the couch. He learned to knit. We think my kids went to Waldorf school. Some of them still go. Obviously, the high schooler is not um, a public Waldorf school. He started knitting with me on the couch last weekend, and my husband came home and was like, oh, my God. And he, like, he loved it. He remembered that he loved doing that. So it is not feeling to them like a taking away, but more like a giving. I can't say that that happened at the beginning. I also know that there's parents out there, because I heard you in these conversations, when we have these conversations in the puberty class, that who's, who's, uh, the mom and dad are on very different pages around media, right? Mostly the dad is often the one that um, wants no boundaries and is often on it constantly himself. Um, I've heard this from so, so, so many of you. And that when you were to try to institute some sort of a media that they're not both on board and so it doesn't really work or it seems like mom's the bad guy and dad's the good guy or why would we do this or like dad's still going to be on it but the rest of us aren't going to be on it so then it doesn't feel like a connecting event. 
And so, or maybe you're co-parenting and you're divorced and one parent is on one page and one parent is like on the exact opposite. I've heard that a lot as well. Um, And so for you out there that are still in the marriage and have this difference, um, I think it's a really great conversation to have around what if, like what if we took an hour, maybe it's not, you know, eight hours like we do twice a week or twice each weekend day, maybe it's an hour. What does that look like? Maybe it's two hours where you actually unplug everything. You put your phones down. What is like what what can that look like? And like what does that after a month, maybe commit for a month, and maybe your partner might see some new things happening um, and see that there is new connections being made and might even be having fun in a new way and might even like they might be so strung up in that media, like that constant dopamine hit of like checking your phone and, da, 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 and playing this game and da, 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 that they might not even realize that it's not good for them, right? Because it is considered like a drug on our brain. Like we don't even get it when we're in it. So just having that conversation about what if and not making anyone bad. It's not bad. What if we just tried this thing? Because I would like some more connection time. What if we put it all away? And for your kids, those who maybe are going to get more flack back, you know, making it just fun. Like we we didn't intentionally draw it out what it was going to look like. My husband put on our big whiteboard what it could, what they could do. Learn a, <laughs> I think he put, read a book, write a book, learn a new instrument, uh, stare at the ceiling, right? <laughs> it was kind of cheeky, but also serious like let's just deregulate let's just uh or self-regulate let's get into our bodies let's be with each other and so for your kids out there that maybe struggle in that space they might feel bored um again we haven't heard this come up yet it's only five weeks in but there's been no pushback after that initial so I just wonder if it's not unique to my family I wonder if, if we all did this what we would find is greater connection and fun and uh greater integration in our body, right? That social, emotional, and hormonal. And the conversations that can come out, the conversations socially that can come out, the, the, the dialogue that can be had of things that might be going on in school. And so having those conversations um, and having that struggle, the kids struggle with how to put their emotions into words right? This can all be really, really helpful to them. So I would love for you to drop in the comments, what does this, what does it currently look like for your family? Like if it's already going well and you think you got it, you're doing great, let me know what that looks like for you. If you're not, let me know. And if you're ready to try something new and maybe this isn't the thing you're going to try, that's great. Let me know what it looks like for you and let me know how it goes because I'm really, really interested because there's so many of us out there that don't know. This is new to us. There is no guidebook. There's very few books on it um, and there's very little conversation around it. So I would love to keep that conversation going. Let me know in the comments. Send me an email. Um, Let me know what this looks like for your family. I hope this topic has been helpful for you um, and I will see you all next week. Thanks. Bye.